Hi. Quick content warning for this episode. This episode discusses suicide, which may be disturbing for some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you're new to this podcast, this is a special episode and not typical of what to expect from our content. We'll always give a content warning for an atypical episode such as this. Don't worry though, the episode's not all doom and gloom. It's a message of hope, and we hope you'll give it a listen. Welcome to the Career Brand Story Podcast, where we talk about your career, your brand, and your story. I'm Jeremy Tudor, career strategist, brand marketer, and storyteller that created the Career Brand Story Method that has helped thousands of job seekers craft their career brand story for today's job market and land their dream job. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. And if you've been following us, we're glad to have you back on a new season. If this is your first time tuning in, I just want to give a little quick introduction about me. I've served in human resources, talent acquisition, and leadership roles in startups and nonprofits, global corporations, and government agencies. In my last role, I was the talent acquisition manager for the entire state of North Carolina, overseeing recruitment technology, process, and policies for a 100,000-plus workforce. Prior to that position, I served as the director of recruitment for Special Olympics World Games in Los Angeles in 2015, building recruitment from the ground up to support the games. I have worked in a large global corporation providing international recruiting and global mobility resourcing. And I'm really excited about exploring the possibilities for your career together this year. My team discussed for a long time what we felt we needed to hear in 2021, a message that if we could put on repeat that would help us emerge from last year feeling ready, empowered, and determined to do the things that we haven't had the courage yet to do. And we want you to know this year in 2021, you're the main character. Why is this important? Because too often we become the sidekick of our own story. We get stuck somewhere along the way and those things we dreamed of doing just never happen. And if you're anything like me, I thought last year brought on so much change in my life and and really the last three years, and we'll get into that a little bit more here, but how much more could really change for me now? And here's the deal, everything can change. Whether you're currently in a storm or you're going into a storm or you're coming out of that storm, How you respond to change determines your resilience. And resilience is accepting reality. It's a deep belief in strong values and that life means more with this uncanny ability to improvise. In her book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown says that if you're going to dare greatly, you're going to get your ass kicked at some point. If you choose courage, you will absolutely know failure, disappointment, setback, even heartbreak. That's why we call it courage, and that's why it's so rare. This is why it is so important for you to be reminded that you are not meant to be the sidekick of your story. You're not meant to be stuck in it. You were meant, you were made, you were created to be able to thrive in your life and to do what you love. So yes, everything can change, but how you respond to change determines your resilience. And that resilience is going to allow for recovery. I want to share with you parts of my recovery story that I don't talk a whole lot about. In 2016, I ended a 17-year vocation of ministry. Someone once asked me what I love about ministry, and I said, it's the people. 
that same person then asked me, well, what do you hate most about ministry? And I was like, oh, that's easy. It's the people. I think we working with people, especially in their spiritual journeys is some of the most rewarding and hard work that you can do. I'll always remember those moments where I was able to help someone have kind of an aha moment and point them towards the light in their spiritual journey. The last 10 of those years, I started a church. I closed a church. And for a long time after that, I thought I had failed. I would end up starting a church with no financial support. We were small. And uh, I had to quickly figure out how to even bring an income in for my family. I'd work in a hotel for a little bit and I started this bivocational life that I hadn't even anticipated. And I ended up working in HR and talent acquisition. And through that whole process, I ended up meeting such a diverse group of people along my own journey. The church would move to a small office building, to an old house, and eventually to a school. We were community focused. We were really a real kind of neighborhood church. And towards the end of that time, we ended up merging two congregations together. I decided to become the director of recruitment for the Special Olympics World Games. And I can remember my wife saying to me, how are you going to do all of this? And I said, don't worry. I got it. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. And the truth was, is that I actually didn't have it. We ended up getting to a place where we had to close the church and walk the church through that painful process. In 2017, once the church had closed, I was working a dream job as a top talent acquisition manager for the entire state of North Carolina. I was working with a great team. I at least had some stability. Uh, things felt like even though we had just walked through this kind of painful period of season, maybe there was some healing on the horizon. And in 2017, after working there for one year, uh, there was a change in leadership. And I was terminated due to that leadership change. And I remember a couple of days prior to being told that I was going to be let go from the job, talking to my wife about as much as this job was stable, um, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a place that I was going to stay forever but I didn't know what the next thing really was. And I remember waking up that morning and I was packing my lunch to be able to go into work that day. And there was just this passing thought, this passing feeling that said, hey, you're gonna lose your job today. And I remember sitting outside uh, the director's office. Uh, I heard the other HR director in there and I just knew what was coming. And I walked into that conference room and some of you know exactly how this feels. You're sitting in a conference room. Uh, they're talking to you. You're not really listening. All you've heard is you will no longer work here. And they're shoving paperwork at you, trying to get you to sign things. You're unsure, should I sign this, not sign it? And it's the most confusing and feeling and, and it makes you feel so less than. And I remember just sitting there thinking, okay, what next? In fact, I looked at one of the HR directors and I told them, I said, you know, I had this feeling and I'm just wondering what's going to happen next. So I walked away from that. I had to go home that day at 10 o'clock in the morning, drive up into the driveway when dad is not supposed to be coming home and walk in 
and tell my wife and tell my three young kids that their dad had just lost their job. I remember just kind of laying there feeling paralyzed in that moment. In fact, I couldn't breathe. And so I got up and told my wife, I was like, I have to get out of here. And so we took off and we drove to the beach uh, and just like to get some air and some freedom from that painful moment. And so I suffered two career blows within one year of each other. I'd already been dealing with deep depression, even though I hid it well from those around me. I was an overachiever. I overcompensated. I'm really good at hiding my emotions. By the summer of 2015, I realized that I wasn't even making any decisions. I remember sitting in a church staff meeting and I didn't care about a single decision that was being made. I had a 2010 Jeep Liberty that was broken down that same year and I let it set another two years in my parents' driveway because I simply couldn't make a decision about it. I was experiencing deep decision fatigue due to my depression and my job loss. I felt a deep sense of loss. I felt the lack of joy for life that makes me who I am. And on top of everything that was happening, our first Boston Terrier would even get killed by a car. One of those days when I was driving home, I got a phone call from my neighbor and he said, hey, where are Christy and the kids? And this isn't a neighbor that I typically, you know, have phone conversations with. And I said, well, they're at home. What's up? He said, well, listen, you might want to give them a call and just let them know that they need to stay inside away from the windows. And I was like, what's going on? And he said, look, I, I think that I found their neighbor. I think I believe he killed himself. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm almost home. I'll be there shortly. Is there any way that you're able to go and, and, and tell them? And he said, no, I really can't do that. You just need to get home as soon as possible. And so I just remember in that moment, speeding up, trying to get back home uh, to make sure that my wife and my kids were safe. And I pull up, we lived in an, an old, over 100 year old farmhouse. There was a long driveway, we had a gate. And I remember pulling up and it's already marked off with the police and the sheriffs that are there. And there's a group of neighbors that are gathering. And I remember pulling up, I couldn't even get all the way into my driveway. And I remember pulling up and getting out of the car and I kind of went into my pastoral mode uh, with the neighbors uh, and, and introducing myself and making sure that they were okay. And one of the neighbors looked at me and she said, is that Danny? And I remember looking up and, and hanging from the tree was Danny, uh, dressed all in black, um, face covered, and there he just hung. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I will never forget something like that in my life. So the sheriff's deputy was there and I said, hey, you know, I live back beyond that farm gate. I need to get to my wife and kids. Can I get back there? And uh, he said, yeah, we'll get you back there. So a few minutes later, I was able to drive my car and I had to stop at the farm gate to get out and open it. And as I did, not even connecting how close I was to where Danny was hanging, he was right there, right by our farm gate. We realized later that, you know, he would do that while our girls were out there playing. And uh, the sad part about this is that he was a good guy. Uh, we had talked to him previously and winter had come and, 
you know, as winter comes, sometimes we isolate ourselves. We don't see ourselves as much when the weather is nice. And I just thought how sad it is that Danny had gotten this lost and wasn't thriving in his life, wasn't doing the things that he loved anymore. In the most bizarre sense, about two months later, another guy would end up having a massive heart attack and crashed into our neighbor's tree. Hey, Jeb here. After Dan's death, I wrote a short poem about it. Jeremy asked me to read it for you here. It's called Not Meant for Cutting Down, and it's written for Dan, that tree, and you and me. You were not meant to do that job, bear that fruit, carry that weight. You are remembered lovingly, longingly, your fingers reaching skyward, wicking light, exhaling life. Your limbs earthward, resigned, relieved. You were failed. You were felled. The weight was not yours to carry. You were not meant for cutting down. If you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please call the suicide prevention hotline in your country. In the United States, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255, or you can text the Crisis Text Line at 741-741. Both programs provide free, confidential support 24-7. Another great resource is a nonprofit called To Write Love on Her Arms, and it can be found at TWLOHA.com. There are numerous crisis lines listed there, as well as many messages of hope. This information will be included in the show notes for this episode as well. My therapist said to me, Jeremy, the reality is, is that you probably see yourself in all that. And she was right. You see, all of my self-worth and value was diminished. I had just not become like a sidekick in my story. I wasn't just like stuck, but I had become the victim of my story and I didn't see a path forward. Humans primitive response to change in our life is fight, flight, or fawn. It's the body's automatic inborn response that prepares the body to fight or to flee from perceived attack or harm or threat so that we'll survive. Sometimes, though, we perceive threat or harm when in reality, things are totally fine. And so my response to change happening in my life, some that I had no control over and others I would either fight against, sometimes I would just flee. Fighting to me looked like holding on, becoming more controlling and disagreeing with outcomes. Fleeing for me looked like not making any decisions going to Los Angeles on business trips away from my problems so I didn't actually have to be in my problems. Christy, the chief of culture and Enneagram guide at Career Brand Story, who also happens to be my wife, teaches us that we can either have closed hands or we can have open hands. Being open is one of our company values and we aim to be honest and direct in communication to embrace honest self-reflection and stay open to development and learning about ourselves and others. 
And I've learned managing change in my life with hands open leads to transformation. It allows me to become teachable and vulnerable and honest and open with others, honest in my self-reflection, open to feedback and development, open to possibilities. And the idea of transformation versus change, the image of open hands shifts us out of perspective of resisting change and into a perspective of transformation. Change is often met with this like white knuckle grip and a desperate need to control, but an open handed posture of transformation allows the old to fall away. Huraki Murakami is a Japanese author. It says, when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what the storm is all about. Christy says this about openness. She says, I've considered this idea. I've become more and more convinced how important and beneficial this posture is in life, in self-acceptance, in awareness, in our spiritual journeys, and even in our relationships. This idea is spacious and that it's fitting with the value of openness. Open-handed transformation is the focus of allowing the false and the mask and the layers and the harmful to fall away so that the true essence can emerge and shine. It's a feeling of climbing out of that tight box and into open air, and there's room to breathe and energy is more wisely spent in this openness. So just to put this like in simpler terms, openness is letting go. So in 2017, in the midst of everything changing, my career, my relationships, my spirituality, I started a business. None of that would have been possible without me first going through transformation. And I now find myself learning to practice a posture of being open, continuing to let go so that I can explore new possibilities that are in front of me. It's in this place that I can see myself as a main character of my story. And so as we start year four at Career Brand Story, we've helped 2000 plus people in their own lives be able to thrive in their life and do with their love. As I was going home yesterday and thinking about the day that I experienced with my team and got to be able to speak to clients, I thought, man, I am having the most fun I've ever had in my career. Every time I get to talk to a new person and I kind of give the sales pitch of where I've been and what makes me credible and what I do and stuff, I think had I not gone through that, I would not be here in this part of my story, finding complete joy in everything that I'm doing. And so, I want to speak to you today about where do you start as the main character in your story to be able to explore possibilities. And I want to do just an exercise with you. So if you're uh, in a place where you can grab a piece of paper or pen, I realize maybe you're in a car listening to this, maybe you're walking or running, so you can do this exercise a little later. But if you're in a place, grab a piece of paper or pen, and we're going to do an exercise that I call three by three by three. And I first want you just to write out a numbered list. The first list is what are your desires? And just put one, two, three. What are your desires? 
In the second category, I want you to put what you're grateful for. Again, one, two, and three. List out three things that you're grateful for. And then the last category, I want you to put things that I love to do. One, two, and three. So you got three categories, three things in each category. What do you desire? What are you really grateful for? And what are the three things that you really love to do? And I want you to take a few moments just to think this through, write these things out. The point of this exercise is to help remind you of maybe the things that have been put on the sidelines. A reminder of those things that you once desired to do and the thing you love to do. Practicing gratitude gives us a healthy outlook to our transformation rather than being discouraged by what we don't have control over. Look, everything can change. Resilience allows for recovery and openness is letting go. You know, my story could have ended differently, but instead it was filled with opportunities to do new things. If last year was hard for you, and look, it was hard for all of us, but if last year or the year before that or the year before that you got stuck, you felt small, you were portrayed as a sidekick, let me provide this resounding encouragement that this year is your year that you're the main character of your story. In the spirit of my pastoral days, for those of you that might connect to a higher calling, I'd like to leave you with this prayer by Susie Larson. May God restore to you something that you lost and never thought you'd get back again. May he heal a soul wound that you thought you would never get over. And may he pour out an abundance of joy and hope that makes you celebrate before the answer comes. And may thriving, rich faith mark your life in every way. You have the access to the Most High God, and may you live accordingly. My name is Mikay Leslie, and I'm the Chief of Staff here at Career Brand Story. But that's not all I do. I'm working on my Master's of Divinity with a focus in pastoral care and counseling. As part of my degree, I work as an ICU chaplain. In chaplaincy and in pastoral care, we utilize different counseling techniques when we provide care. I wanna talk about one of those techniques with you today called narrative therapy. Narrative therapy helps those seeking care identify their values and the skills associated with them. It provides the care seeker with knowledge of their ability to live these values so they can effectively confront current and future problems. You might be asking yourself what this means or why I'm talking about it on our podcast. Well, I'll tell you. Our company is called Career Brand Story. We assist our clients in finding a career that allows them to thrive and effectively communicate their brand. Both of these require our clients to be able to communicate their story as well. Jeremy has shared his story with you today. In this episode, you saw the life-limiting story he was telling himself during the darkest years of his life. And then you saw the life-giving story that he's living into right now. That's what I wanna ask about. 
What's the story you're telling yourself today? And how do you live into that story? A lot of times these stories are inherited from the people and environments that raised us. They're so subconscious often that we don't even know we're living into these narratives until we take a moment to reflect on them. The stories or narratives we tell ourselves can either be life-limiting or life-giving. We might be living out of a life-limiting narrative without even realizing it. When we take a moment and open our eyes to our subconscious narratives, we can observe them, accept them, and create new meaning out of them. The stories we tell ourselves consciously or subconsciously are powerful. So what is the life-giving narrative you will tell yourself today? And how will you live into it? The advice given on this account is not meant to substitute for mental health counseling. These ideas can be difficult and might require further conversation with a professional. If you would like to find a licensed counselor in your area and your budget, visit psychologytoday.com slash US slash therapists. Hey, thanks for joining in and listening to part of my story today. You can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Just search for Jeremy Tudor. And on Instagram, I'm at Jeremy T. Tudor. And I know while many of you will listen to this podcast, because that is what a podcast is for, uh, you can also watch every episode on YouTube. Uh, just search for Jeremy Tudor, our career brand story to find us. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, we advertise for local and national companies. Contact McKay at careerbrandstory.com for more information. That's M-C-C-A-Y at careerbrandstory.com.